a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 13, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, issue number one, and Ben's bullpen bulletin from August 1977. Hello and welcome to Level 7, the podcast about... Wait, 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 wrong podcast... But I could swear we're talking about something uh, that has to do with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Dum Dum Dugan and the Howling Commandos. And this isn't the MCU. No, no, it's the Marvel 616 universe. And yeah, (laughs) but it ties in nicely to my other podcast, which is Welcome Level 7, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and all that fun stuff. And here we have a comic book about Godzilla being chased. By Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this case are in the 70s, and they're in firmly in the 616 universe. Now, I know Mr. Machine from 2001 A Space Odyssey ends up as a part of the proper, you know, Marvel 616 universe with everyone, you know, Spider-Man and all those guys. Uh, I don't know how he ends up there. I just know he does end up there. Uh, with Godzilla, he, from the start, is intended to be in the Marvel Universe. He is intended to be a part of the Marvel Universe. And that was, like I said, intentional from the start. Uh, I have an article from Back Issue Magazine, and this one's from Back Issue Magazine, issue number six. And in this article, Godzilla vs. Marvel Comics, Tom Stewart uh, interviews uh, Doug Mensch and Herb, Herb Trimpey about Godzilla. And so, yeah, actually, let me give you the credits first here. Doug Mench is writer. Herb Trimpey and Jim Mooney are artists. Joe Rosen is letterer. Janice Cohen, colorist. We've seen her before. And Archie Goodwin is the editor. And so um, Doug Mench in the article says that he uh, had told some of the people at Marvel that he wanted to do something more more kitty, more more light. And so someone asked him, would you be interested in doing Godzilla? And so Mench's, uh, his answer was, Godzilla? Well, maybe if I can do it the way I want. Lighter. A comic book actually aimed at kids. What we were doing at Marvel was geared to older and older readers. There were no comics for kids anymore. So that was his original uh, intention, or one of the intentions, because the other thing that he wanted to do was not just make comics for kids, but bring more kids into comics. He says, uh, quote, one of the reasons besides wanting to do a change of pace was that the typical Marvel Comics fan at that time would look down on Godzilla, but... We had a chance to get a bunch of the kids who love the movies. Um, he said to Stan Lee, I want to aim this at kids, the kind of kids who love Godzilla, but yet I want to do it in a way that older readers will get a kick out of it. And Stan Lee was, was happy with, with that, uh, that take on Godzilla. He also mentions then, um, he didn't have, uh, 
Godzilla models and, and reference that kind of thing. So, the, but the research he did was actually going to the movie. He said, "Quote: I remember going to the screening of the latest Godzilla movie with Herb and Stanley and Archie Goodwin. I remember at the end of it, I was thinking I didn't realize Godzilla was getting this wacky, but hey, this might be even more fun than I thought." I remember at the end of it, Stanley standing up and whistling and clapping his hands, giving the old mocking standing ovation, but in good fun. I figured that we could do anything because Godzilla is really crazy. Nothing is out of bounds. So that's kind of um, Herb uh, or Doug Mensch's uh, take on things. But then there was Herb Trimpey and <laughs> both of these. It's so casual the way they're just talking about. Yeah, they said, you know, with, with um, Mensch, it was just, hey, you want to do Godzilla? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, I want to do something more for kids. And so then here's, again, just a real casual experience here uh, with Herb Trimpey. Uh, he said, Godzilla was at a time when I was doing Defenders and stuff like that. I did a lot of the license books after getting off the Hulk. I never really did another feature book after the Hulk. I mean, nothing really long. I was never part of the inner circle. I wasn't that close to what was going on at Marvel. And anything looked interesting to me. I thought, okay, I'll try that. So when someone offered him the job to do the Godzilla book, his reply was just, yeah, sure. At least that's what he says in the article. <laughs> it's just so funny how casual all of this uh, stuff kind of happened. He also says he had movie stills and, uh, well, I'll just read the quote. He said, I had the movie stills with a guy in a rubber suit and all those model buildings. So that's what I tried to draw him like, a guy in a rubber suit. I also had a Godzilla model, one of those toys, about a foot and a half high shot things out of its hand i haven't seen one since not like it so the movie that they would have gone to have seen uh where stanley was standing up and, and clapping was probably godzilla versus mecha godzilla which at the time was known as godzilla versus the cosmic monster which uh was in theaters in in 77 uh it could have been i don't know how how soon that they were working on this but it could have been godzilla versus megalon which would have uh, been in the United States in summer of 76 and also on TV in summer of 77. And Godzilla vs. Megalon is the one with Jet Jaguar, and it's the one that if you have seen any Godzilla movies on Mr. Science Theater 3000, this is the one you saw. So it, both of them are kind of corny, kind of cheesy, and um, enjoyable. You know, I like Godzilla. I, I like Godzilla movies. I like the cheesiness. I like the goofiness. I like it when it gets serious sometimes. I like it that they're about something. Um, but the question is, you've got this uh, Godzilla comic book. How does this stack up to being, you know, to this library of Godzilla movies, which can go anywhere from alien cockroaches who look like humans until you take off their face and then they're a cockroach. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but only a little bit to, uh, you know, documentary style statements on humanity you know, taking a look at, you know, the effects and the ravages of nuclear war to crazy, funky, psychedelic statements about um, environment and and uh, pollution and stuff like that. So how does it stack up? Well, I found it really interesting. This first issue, uh, it's 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 classic Godzilla. It starts out with Godzilla breaking out of the ice out, uh, just off the coast of Alaska. And the way that <laughs> the way that the uh, narration tells us. That um, it says for the the almost legendary time lost Leviathan known as Godzilla has just arrived in North America with a vengeance, and he is a killer Godzilla. He is smashing things. Um, he goes up and and pulls up the uh, Alaskan pipeline, the the oil pipeline. He's and he's picking up trucks with people in them, crushing these things. He destroys the pipe pipeline. 
And as he's doing this, I can't help thinking this is the seventies. This is the end of the seventies. There is, you know, the gas shortage and all that kind of stuff. Um, it feels again, it feels like a Godzilla movie because even if it's not making a statement about something, you know, some sort of social issue, it's using some sort of social issue. And so, um, then we cut to the helicarrier. Yep. The helicarrier is an important piece in this Godzilla series. And Dum Dum Dugan is front and center here. I love it that we get Dum Dum Dugan. Just, this is his book. As far as the Marvel characters go, he's the one. He's the one this book is about. And so what happened was, um, and, and this is going back to that article with uh, Doug Mensch and his his interview. He said, uh, he said, using S.H.I.E.L.D. was the the editor's idea. My friend, good old Archie Goodwin, because uh, Doug Mensch wanted to use guest stars, Marvel character guest stars that would bring in kids and get them hooked on the Marvel Universe. That was what they what this article says was their primary purpose was we want to bring in kids who love Godzilla but don't read comics yet and get them hooked on our comics because they like Godzilla. They read the Godzilla comic and then they see, Oh, Dum Dum Dugan and shield and Nick Fury. They're cool. Oh, the champions. They're cool. Oh, the defenders. They're cool. Oh, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, he goes on to say with, uh, Archie Goodwin or about Archie Goodwin. He's, he said, well, as long as you don't use Nick Fury himself, because that would screw up his other appearances, you can take a few of the shield agents and make them running characters all the way through. So that kind of gets into why he made, he says, I, well, he says, well, if you say I can do it, I can make them a special Godzilla hunting squad. Who else could chase Godzilla if he came to America? And so that's basically the setup of this book is that, uh, as Godzilla is going from Alaska to, you know, he's, he's rampaging through, um, Nick Fury is trying to get there quickly. He's got, uh, some passengers, that he needs to get to Godzilla because they're, they're important to their, their solution with Godzilla. But then you have this huge shield battle where shield takes these weird, um, weapons. It's the, like this little floating platform and they're like hooked into it standing upright and their body is completely free and visible and visible, not invisible. And so they're just flying down there and it's like, they call it operation mosquito. <laughs> And they have, okay, here's where I, I hope this doesn't happen too much in this, but they, they have what I actually call the Godzilla effect, but not because of Godzilla in the comic book, but because of Godzilla in the Hanna-Barbera cartoon. In Godzilla, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon, you have these three people on a boat who have a button that they can press that calls Godzilla whenever there's trouble. But every episode, they come up across a creature and they're like, there's no way that can exist. There's no way that that's real. How can that be? Let's call Godzilla with our button. And I just keep thinking, you can call Godzilla with a little remote control, and yet you see this giant insect, and you're like, well, that can't exist. And that's the kind of thing, you get some of these reactions here, these guys are like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. You know, I live in the Marvel MCU, where Galactus has almost eaten our planet a couple times, but but a giant lizard? You know, that's a surprise. Um, so they go up Operation Mosquito, where they're coming with their all their little flight vehicles and everything like that, and nothing's working. Godzilla's just tearing them apart obviously. Um, and we do get his origin story, which goes back to 1956. 
Now, keep that date in mind because 1956 is when Godzilla came to the United States for the Godzilla King of the Monsters, the the American version of the Godzilla movie. Uh, I found that interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe no one else does. But anyway, in 1956, that's when Godzilla was brought to life in their universe and and started ravaging uh, Tokyo and, and Japan. And he was a problem, but then he was frozen in ice. And then that's where that was the last that was seen of him until he, he washed up on the shore of Alaska and became S.H.I.E.L.D.'s problem, too. Uh, and they actually say that Japan didn't want S.H.I.E.L.D. helping. They didn't want anyone's help. They could take care of themselves because they didn't think that anyone else was equipped to take care of Godzilla. And it turns out they're right because S.H.I.E.L.D. basically gets their butt handed to them by Godzilla, even though they kind of hurt him a little bit. But, you know, he's having nothing of it. And he's just he's just fighting. And there, you know, I, I gave the uh, sound effect of the week to Chewbacca. There are a ton of awesome sound effects in here, though, from the ripping apart of a jet plane. Frack, rack to the um he uh, he hits uh, another plane and it's boom and he chomps on another one and it's chalk or choke I, I don't know and you get some nice roars from him with like um yeah. so there's some good sound effects and, and maybe maybe he'll win some some sound effects in in the future but uh for the time being basically he makes short work out of shield. And then he walks off into the sunset, the way a lot of Godzilla movies end, where he's just going off. Only in this case, he's going off not to, you know, because he's defeated a creature and now his work there is done. He's going off into the sunset because we have issue two coming up. <laughs> so meanwhile, we meet Nick, Nick Fury brings the three um, people, his three, his three passengers and we meet them and they are Dr. Yuriko Takaguchi, his assistant Tamara, Hashioka and his grandson, the Kenny of the book, Robert Takaguchi. And if you're not familiar with what a Kenny is, a Kenny is what is known. You know, it's that precocious little child who shows up in Godzilla movies or really, uh, you know, Gamera movies, any kind of giant monster movie in Japan. There's some sort of Kenny character who is that child identification character. So they have come, they have a secret weapon that they need to use on Godzilla and Dum Dum Dugan is like, well, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't win. Maybe your weapon will do better. Maybe not. Who knows? And next is Seattle under siege. So we're going from Alaska to Seattle. The letters page is called Godzillagrams and I don't have access to most of the letters, but I do have access to this one, which is again, that mission statement. Uh, this one comes from Archie Goodwin, the editor, and he says, welcome to the first issue of Godzilla. And he kind of gives uh, background to the the fact that they've been trying to get the the uh, license for Godzilla for a while. When it finally came, the big question was, how do we handle the character? It says, what works in a series of movies appearing a year or more apart can also become monotonous in a comic book coming at you every month. So for the sake of variety and continuity, we opted for new adventures rather than adaptations of the films. And for the same reason, we also chose to connect the big G with the Marvel universe. This takes a bit of stretching, but Marvel's world, while as fragile as any imaginative creation, is also amazingly flexible. As the series progresses, we think you'll see the advantages in this. Not that we intend to have Godzilla slugging it out with a different superhero or villain every issue. Far from it. And he's basically saying things that just make sense. This is very practical information that we're getting here. And they're saying, how do we present him visually? Uh, visually, movie buffs will recognize that Godzilla's appearance varied somewhat from film to film as he worked his way through 20 years starring roles. 
since our approach is somewhat less tongue-in-cheek than the current films, we decided to use a variation on the Godzilla's portrayal in the very first movie. The liberties we've taken are an effort to adjust what works in a motion picture into an equally successful comic character. Different mediums require different approaches. While some Godzilla's purists may object, we think most of you will come to know and love this version of the devastating dinosaur. And then they ask for people to send in letters. And there's two um, pinups. I'm assuming these would be one-page pinups if you actually had them in their full glory, but they are reduced to quarter-page pinups. One is just nice one of Godzilla with planes coming at him, and the other one is Godzilla walking away from the viewer in the panel with his head kind of cocked to the side so he's looking over his shoulder. And there's a little figure inside a footprint raising his fist and says, Just wait, frog face. As soon as Hulk gets angry enough, Hulk will come up there and smash you. So we get Hulk versus Godzilla in one small picture on one page. But maybe that's to come. Uh, and, and that's, I think, going to be the, the biggest draw to me reading Godzilla is that every time I do another episode, I'll get to kind of peek in and see, oh, what's going on in the Marvel Universe and get to see some uh, characters that I like from the Marvel Universe. Uh, the... <laughs> The, the article that Archie Goodwin wrote, though, where they're talking about the character design of Godzilla, that's probably the biggest weakness of the book. This Godzilla design is not at all what I look – when I look at a Godzilla, this is not a design I like. Of all the Godzilla designs I've ever seen, this is probably the one I like the least. He has these, like, needle point teeth, these kind of uh, dead eyes, um, <laughs> more dead than – a puppet, yes, uh, at least in this, because they're just kind of solid red. So of all the Godzillas that I've seen, this is probably my least favorite, although he's he does have that human skeletal structure where you could see there would be a guy in there, a man in the suit. I, I do appreciate that, but it's just that facial design. It does not work for me, and it doesn't work on the cover for me. It doesn't work on the, the opening splash. Uh, there's some where if you can only see his face, he looks like, uh, like a rattlesnake with too many fangs or something. I don't know. So that's, that's the one weakness for me. And it's a, it's a nitpick. I know, but at the same time, it's a comic book and that's the purpose is to be visual and it's a visual storytelling medium. And so I'm looking at this and yeah, the story is kind of enjoyable. I'm surprised at the amount of violence and destruction that he's allowed to do. And there has to be some human casualties in all this destruction. There just has to be, uh, the way he's doing things and people are falling to their, you know, they're falling from, you know, store 30 stories high or however tall Godzilla is. So yeah, that's, I, I'm surprised at that, especially considering they said this was aimed at a kiddie audience, but um, all things considered, the the visual of the creature that the, that is spending the most time on the on the page, other than Dum Dum Dugan, <laughs> who looks fine with his bowler cap and his cigar, um, it just doesn't work for me. So that is Godzilla. So we we've got one more part now, and that is to uh, take a look at the bullpen bulletin and, and some of the things inside the issues picked up in today's time trip. <laughs> Not a lot to add here. I will say that this month in Marvel Comics um, Sci-Fi, the final issue of the Guardians of the Galaxy feature, uh, which I, I believe was in Marvel Preview. Let's see here. No, Marvel Presents, sorry. Uh, that final issue 
it, it, that book was canceled this month. So sorry to see you go, guys, but they will be back in other Marvel books and not, just not their own. <laughs> and uh, what else was going on? We did have a half-page Godzilla ad. He's coming your way. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the mightiest of the movie monsters, at last in a book of his own, as only Marvel could do it. And it's true. Only Marvel could do this because no other company has the rights to use Dum Dum Dugan, Spider-Man, Nick Fury, whoever they're going to put in the book. But um, yeah, only only Marvel could put him in the Marvel Universe. So it's true. Only as Marvel could do it. We also had a um, in the bullpen bullet, uh, the uh, Marvel bullpen bulletin page. Stan Lee has um, he's promoting that he is going to be featured on the largest radio program in the country, Focus on Youth. And then it gives a whole list of all the places that carry that program. They say, call the radio station, find out when they're going to play it, and all that kind of thing. And and then it also mentions 7-Eleven Cups, the second round of 7-Eleven Cups. And that was kind of cool to see. I remember those cups. I never had one myself, but I had friends who had them. Finally, there's a Twinkie ad, Spider-Man and Madam Web. Uh... And I'm trying to remember, wasn't Madam Web like a blind psychic or something? Um, but in this Twinkie ad, it's just really awkward. He's tired of everyone blaming him. And uh, Madam Web is tired of Spider-Man rejecting her. And so he goes and finds her and and uh, <laughs> he says, uh, she says, Spider-Man, my only love, come with me and let's run away. And he says, well, what if I give you a whole bunch of delicious hostess Twinkie cakes instead? Would you clear the harbor? And my good name, because she was doing spider things that were making him look bad. And she says, oh, for that, I clear up the ocean, the world, anything. Oh, golden sponge cake, cream filling. But she's on her knees and he's got his hands out and she's holding his hands. And it just looks really awkward, really. I don't know. It, 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 I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it just looks weird. <laughs> Uh, but these one-page stories from Twinkies are actually surprisingly effective sometimes. And this is, uh, you know, beginning, middle, and end. It, Spider-Man has a problem. He solves the problem. It's it's not bad. It's not good. But it's also not bad. So, yeah, I, I just have to say I enjoy I enjoyed this month a lot. And I'm looking forward to doing this again. You can find us at, at uh, I will say it again, welcome to Level 7. You can find us at comicbooktimemachine.com. You can go to facebook.com slash comicbooktimemachine. And you can also email us at feedback at, well, uh, not feedback at welcome to Level 7. Feedback at comicbooktimemachine.com. Thanks for listening. We appreciate the feedback we've gotten already. We really, we really, really do. So until next time, um, I think I was going to stick with May the Force be with you. But I'm going to say, you know what, guys? Why don't you just make like Godzilla and go, go. Because go, go, Godzilla. Whenever I read a Godzilla comic book, that song gets stuck in my head. I'm not going to play the song right now. You know, because legally I'm not supposed to. And that way, it's not going to get stuck in your head. Unless it does. Sorry. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time.
Next episode, Star Wars issue number three, as we move into the next month of our time journey. Cover date, September 1977.